One thing you could always learn from the JT and Looney podcast, and I, I've said it over the years, for 17 years on Fox Sports Radio, I told everybody, never bet on the Chargers. Bet against the Chargers straight up, week in and week out, and you'll be able to buy a house. <laughs> and if you're going to bet anywhere, for years I've been saying use Bet Online. They remain the number one spot for all your football action this season. They've got great NBA betting action there, too. Any sport you want, really. They have a new updated desktop and mobile website. If you sign up today, just for being friends with JT and Looney, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-50. The Believe Podcast Network is the podcast network that's providing us with the platform for the JT and Looney podcast. So you have to spell that right, B-L-E-A-V-50, and get your 50% signing bonus. You have basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, whatever your favorite Vegas casino games are, they got them right there at Bet Online. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021-2022 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. Three, two, and one. The JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 111. Tom Looney, one of the smartest men on God's green earth. Thank you. You always say, don't bet on the Chargers. Don't count on the Chargers. Once again, the Chargers were the Chargers Thursday night at SoFi Stadium. I feel so bad. Isaac Lowenkron, who was my intern on 9-11, and came in and told me about a plane hitting the World Trade Center. That's how, how far back we go. He does pre- and post-game mop-up for the Chargers over the past several years, and it's it hasn't changed. You know, it's like Groundhog's Day since they fired Marty Schottenheimer. It's just Groundhog's Day. This is what Charger fans are used to. Well, I had a vigorous debate post game as I wrapped up my show on Sirius XM when the Chargers lost because uh, their coach, Brandon Staley, is a tough guy. He's got football beer muscles. He goes for it on every fourth down, no matter where they are. He loves oh, to I go love for it on fourth down. Yeah, that's true. And, yep. and everybody at the time, that's what's so unique at the time. Everybody loves to go for it on fourth down. Every $5 degenerate gambler oh, yeah. sitting with a cold hot dog in the back of the sports book stands up, go for it, coach. And coach goes for it. And when he doesn't get it, he doesn't get it. It could lose the game. And they were two for five on fourth down against Kansas City. And I just pointed out the obvious at the end of the first half, they went on a very long drive, got down to the two yard line with two seconds left. Should have kicked a three. Every coach, 31 out of 32 coaches from Bill Belichick to Andy Reid would have kicked the field goal, went into halftime. They decided to go for it, and that was the difference in the game. Well, he they got it. inside the five three times and came away with nothing. Yep. And that's very Charger-esque. And you, as you know, I want to take the foot out of football. I love when they go for it on fourth down. I love when they go for it on fourth down in their own territory. Why? It's not my coaching job. <laughs> it's exciting football, and it's not my coaching job. Going for it on fourth is a lot more exciting than going for, your, for a field goal or kicking a punt. 
so it never bothers me and there's every you know, once a year you see that story about the high school coach somewhere in america who goes for it on fourth down no matter what every time i love those guys so that's not necessarily what bothered me what bothers me is the pattern no matter who the coach is with the chargers there is some kind of haunted pattern with the chargers where my poor friend isaac lorencron has to do a post a post game show where he's got to just mop up losses that should have been wins the hell you think i've been doing this year on the writer post <laughs> yes, well, are you talking about with me if, uh, yeah well if anybody can relate to the dysfunction of the raiders and the bad luck over the years it's charger fans let me tell you again about this fourth down debate and why it's so important you have to take a day a game by game what's happening with boy blunder as i tweeted out at jt the brick brandon staley is boy blunder with this game is I had callers say, well, they just love the fact that he did it and he backs it up and he means it. And the sound bites great. Okay. The sound bite is, you know, we're going to play that way and we're always going to do it. And we're going to put points up and we're going to score touchdowns, which is great. When it works, you get pat on the back. But every time a coach goes for it on fourth down and loses the game, you have to go back to that point on why they lost. And this is one of the rare times, you know, there are times where a team goes for it on fourth down in the second quarter. And then the fourth quarter, you know, later in the game, it doesn't come back to haunt you. This game is the classic example, Tom, of going for it on fourth down two of five, missing out three times, actually lost them the game. They wouldn't have had to go to overtime. So there is a lot of Monday morning quarterback, or in this case, Friday morning quarterback. But I thought Brandon Staley hurt his team earlier tonight in Los Angeles. And does he represent the double downing of America? You know, you used to apologize mm -hmm. back in the day. If you said the N word on Twitter and then you were running for office or you got caught telling an off color joke or sexual harassment or whatever. Now you double down. Now you double down with yeah, I'm going I do that and I'll do it again. It's politics. It's it's uh, in sports. And it's happened over the course of you and I working together where you don't admit to mistakes, you double down. Well, the problem with this is Brandon Staley didn't have enough good plays on fourth down, number yeah. one. And number two, by doubling down, he's telling everybody in the league that he's always going to go for it on fourth down. He basically said it after the loss. So defensive coordinators now can game plan fourth down against the Chargers and break down all the film and their tendencies. Because when the Chargers get inside the five, they're going to go for it because now the coach has a massive chip on his shoulder that's turned into a boulder on his shoulder. And he's sitting back saying, hey, I got to continue to do this or people are going to think I lost my balls in that game against Kansas City. And so I have to continue to do this to prove I'm right. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> and so that can really hurt you a lot. Of like I like every time for 10 years together, I picked against Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is out. like yeah how did that work out for me just because i don't like them how'd that work out didn't work out very yeah, good i wanted to be right life. sooner or later and i was never ended up being right And this could happen with boy blunder well what made that game also interesting because i'm raider nation out west and you're out west too is buffalo this was a big loss for the chargers because the chargers would have had the same record as the chiefs and they would have swept the chiefs and they would have had the advantage they would have been in first place in the afc west by losing that game, the Chargers are stuck on eight wins and Buffalo has seven wins and the Raiders, if they beat the Browns, will have seven wins. And if the Browns beat the Raiders, they'll have eight wins. So I looked at it differently tonight. Kansas City's going to the playoffs. 
Now they're 10 and four. But even if they lost and they were nine and five, they're still going to the playoffs. They would have figured it out. Right. The Chargers now came back to the pack with Denver, the Raiders, the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Buffalo Bills. And if the Chargers would have won this game, I would have crowned them. That would have been nine and six, first place in the AFC West. And they still might make the playoffs. But tonight we could have guaranteed two teams in the playoffs in the AFC West, the Chargers and the Chiefs. And not so fast now, Chargers. You're going to have to really go out there and earn it. They play at Houston next week, which is going to be pretty good for them. They play Houston next. They'll win that game to get to nine wins. But I think you got to win 10 to get in. Yeah, and the Chiefs have been really good at beating some bad teams mm-hmm. and great at beating the Raiders. But and so this makes you wonder, are the Chargers bums? Because the Chiefs beat them. The Chiefs haven't played as well. Chiefs play, play, lost some games they shouldn't have lost earlier in the year and played some good tight games uh, against, uh, against the – they beat the Packers. But I, I don't know if I have any – Patrick Mahomes has never looked so bad. You're right. The Chargers, oh my God. the Chiefs, and they've won seven in a row. If you take out the two Raider games where they annihilated the Raiders, all those other wins, the other five, they should have lost. And in those games, Mahomes played average. The good thing for Mahomes in the last nine minutes of this game against the Chargers, man, was he locked in. <laughs> was he, he locked in? Travis Kelsey. Wow. And, and how about Tyreek Hill? Yeah, yeah, Tyreek Hill, who was on the sideline with cramps, et cetera, getting him, uh, the, he limps off. Off the uh, off the bench comes in and it makes a key catch. Yeah, they were uh, he had he had he put the receiver the ball in the receiver's hands. But but tight ends aren't supposed to do what Travis Kelsey did. What what Kelsey did? How bad was the Charger tackling on that last play? He caught the ball over the middle of the field. Okay, just get him on the ground. All you got to do is hold them. Tom, you got to let's He's the size of an offensive tackle. He's not supposed to run that far with the football. Yeah, I mean, let's remember this. All you had to do was hold Kansas City to a field goal. A touchdown wins. Kelsey catches the ball in the middle of the field, and and he he broke like seven tackles. He did that twice in this game. He did that twice in this game. And the the other time probably should have been a touchdown. They just didn't worry about, you know, worry about taking a look at instant replay. But he was the he, he was the MVP of this game. All right, which team doesn't belong? If the playoffs started as we produce this podcast, okay. Kansas City is the one seed at ten and four. New England's the two seed at nine and four. Tennessee nine and four, the three seed. Baltimore the four seed, ahead in their division eight and five. Now your wild cards are the Chargers at eight and six, the Colts at seven and six, and the last wild card. The Buffalo Bills, my Super Bowl pick at seven and six. If that just stopped and we printed that, that's a pretty good playoffs. Buffalo gets in as the last seed, so they have a puncher's chance. Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor, the best running backs in. Chargers with Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. The Titans, if they get back Derrick Henry. The Patriots, a surprise team this year. And Kansas City is the one seed. That looks pretty well, good. The Colts are a surprise team. The Colts have been, Colts have been playing better almost week, out, week in and week out. The Colts, Colts are a surprise team in the way that they started out, and now they're playing really, really well. Uh, they can run, and when, and when they're running the ball well, then they're passing the ball well. Yeah, it's the Chargers, and, and uh, you know, we're piling on here. But if you have to, if you have to get rid of any one of these teams, it would be the Chargers. And Buffalo Bills are talented enough to win it all. In the NFC, the Packers are the one seed at 10 and three. Tampa Bay, the two seed, world champs. 
Three is Arizona. You know, Arizona's 10 and three. All three of their losses are at home. Think of that. All the, three of their losses are at home. Four seed would be the Cowboys easily winning the East. They're seven and one in conference. And how about this for your playoff teams, your wild cards, the Rams, the five seed at nine and four, the Niners, the six seed at seven and six, and the Washington football team would get in at six and seven with all that groovy COVID, all that COVID that they have right now. Uh, they'd have to figure it out, but Washington would be in the playoffs with a sub 500 record. Yeah, Washington is, are, are the Colts of the NFC, a surprise team that's coming on strong and playing well near the end of the year, that which you're supposed to be doing. But the Rams, the Rams look like they could absolutely beat anybody. <laughs> After this, you know, if I use my sample size of this past week, uh, the Rams are one of those teams where I, they could have beat anybody on planet Earth last Sunday, last Monday. Urban Meyer was fired as the head coach of the Ooh. Jacksonville Jaguars because he was mean. He was mean to people. He treated people poorly. He kicked the kicker. He yelled at his assistant coaches in public. He didn't fly home with the team after a loss with the number one pick quarterback. He hung out in a bar with a hot blonde standing in his lap. And then he hated his job. He's one of the only guys <laughs> who make reportedly 10 million a year. And as a coach, his body language sucked. Like he wanted, he didn't even want to coach during the games. What a disaster <laughs> this was. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. I thought it was a good hire. How could I not? The guy was a great legendary college football coach and he flamed out in Jacksonville. And if you're going to roll the dice on a Florida legend, like urban Meyer and a college coaching legend, why not? And a couple of things, though. I, I, Bill Parcells didn't fly back to New England after the Patriots' Super Bowl loss to the Packers. And Tony Dungy on NBC said it was the only time he ever ever heard of a coach not flying with the team, and that was the Super Bowl was over and Bill wasn't going back and he didn't get along with the owner. But other than that, a coach not flying back with his team is unheard of. Your first year with a team and he didn't fly back with his team. Yeah, I think that probably even moves it up to number one in terms of unprecedented. You know, coach flirting in a bar and getting drunk in a bar is not unprecedented. Coaches kicking people. I remember the movies of the week with Vince Lombardi kicking people in the ass. And I know times have changed and you can't kick your employees anymore. And if HR finds out about it and your boss finds out about it, they can't unfind out about it and you're done, especially if you don't win. Well, the big learning moment here is simply this, and it goes for everyone listening to the podcast. You have to treat people you work with nicely. You have to show them respect. You know, I'll go first. Every person that I've ever worked with, they've all worked with me. It's always been a team. So in radio, from the board up to the update anchor to the producer, they all worked with me. They didn't work for me. How could they? I didn't own the company. I wasn't the boss. I treated everyone on the air and off the air equally. You didn't call us your staff. No. <laughs> Don't you love that? When the guy ends his radio show and says, I'd like to thank the staff. <laughs> I mean, the staff goes into the break room and says, you bastard. We hate you. <laughs> no one's the staff. Everyone's yeah. on the And you team. came from rugby and I came from football. It's a team effort. And for Urban Meyer, it seemed like he was very unpleasant. And we had warning signs with him at Ohio State. Uh, one of his coaches was treating his wife poorly. And then that story blew up. And then in, in Florida, look, he had Aaron Hernandez. He had some bad guys, kids behaving badly. But that's in college where kids behave badly. 
And then yeah, never, well, it, well, the thing about if you go back to Ohio State, he knowingly yeah, he knew did. his co assistant coach that he brought along with him had a history of domestic violence. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Urban Meyer's a bad guy. And what fascinates me on this is if he goes back on Fox. So Urban Meyer confirmed is going back to Fox. So Urban Meyer right now should not be hireable. He was fired by Jacksonville for no, a number of reasons, and he's going to slide into the chair on Fox and do big noon college football, most likely. And look, anybody who can get a job can get a job. He has a talent for that. But they're going to they're going to wash, rinse and repeat, and they're going to clean up his image for a year or two. They're going to make him laugh at the desk and they're going to make him they're <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. humanize him to make him out to be a good guy when he's a really bad guy. And I'm not saying I don't know Urban Meyer, so I'm sure if he's having a steak and a bottle of wine with buddies on the road for dinner, he's a great guy. Right. No, one, Tom, no one is. No one is their worst mistake. Yeah. But overall, he's proven that he's not a good man of character recently. And that's why some of these jobs are going away and he lost the Jacksonville well, job. He, and, you know, well, and a lot of times too, if they, you know, if, if a restaurant catches their nicest employees stealing, a lot of times they will fire them anyway, because it's not the first time it's hmm. assumed that it's not the first time when they get caught stealing. So with urban Meyer, you would assume, you would assume that these, all these things that we're hearing, these aren't the first time these things have happened. Well, what I find fascinating, most of these coaches are good guys. You know, they're the best. Oh, the my best. God. I love football. coaches. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. former football players are educators. They're going to teach kids oh, how to become men. Wonderful. And they're good guys. But another chapter of this Urban Meyer saga is people change with money and ego mm -hmm. and the money gets to their head and they become entitled and they live in a small town like Gainesville or Columbus, Ohio, and they got the state troopers and the police in their pocket and they can act a certain way and they can berate coaches and they can yell at players. And there's never any punishment for bad behavior. Bobby Knight, there was never any yeah. punishment for bad great. behavior. That's a great analogy and a yeah. great connection oh. yeah. comparison to Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight continued to be power hungry and his life unraveled. And I think it's very similar. That is a great point you make about Bobby Knight. And, and didn't change with the times. You could no longer kick your players. You could Vince Lombardi could. You can no longer do that with HR, et cetera, and uh, workplace violence, et cetera. And you can no longer and you can no longer touch other people's children, which with Bobby Knight was choking other people's children. And you can't do that and keep your job anymore. Well, what's interesting is we've been through this Me Too movement. And we've seen a lot of coaches or people in sports lose their job because of the way they treat women. Right. But Urban Meyer, we have him treating men poorly, kicking a kicker right. at the end who comes clean with that. That was the last straw berating his coaches and just being miserable. And here's what I think is going to come out. I, I really believe what's going to happen is we're going to find out coming up that Urban Meyer needs help. There's going to be a problem in his personal life. We saw that with his wife. His wife stood by her man so mm -hmm. far. I don't know what's going to happen, but I could see that unraveling. He was miserable with his job. So I think something in his personal life is bigger than his job in the Jaguars. And you could see it on his face and his mannerisms and his body language that he wasn't happy with all that money and being one of the 32 NFL coaches, one of the best jobs in the world. So I think Tom, something's going to come out. There's something much bigger 
that turned Urban Meyer into this bad guy who lost his job. You know, and we've had that a couple of times this year, and I'll stay in my lane here, and you don't necessarily have to comment, but we, we saw that with John Gruden when he was on top of the world, the highest-paid broadcaster in in, in, in sports, and with, with those emails, with all this anger, and he should have been on top of the world. And same thing with Urban Meyer. Here, all this anger, and he really should have been on top of the world. And uh, and, it's, and, you know, and guess what? Where he lives in Florida, you know, a house doesn't cost as much as if he had been the coach of the Los Angeles Rams or the New York Giants. I mean, there was all kinds of reasons that he he should have been walking on air, had one of the coolest jobs in the world that only 31 other guys have. But sometimes, as as we all know, sometimes the uh, the money we make doesn't fix the chip on our shoulder. But sometimes the money we make can fix a relationship. If you buy a light box diamond, light box lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. They use cutting edge technology, innovative techniques. They've cracked the science of sparkle. They've created the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find. And at a pretty light price too, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds. They're just grown in a lab. And because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue and classic white, too. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Get a lightbox diamond for your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your partner partner i love that word i'd love to have a partner i got an anime say goodbye to dull gifts light box diamonds never a dull moment should you buy christmas presents during inflation and what i mean by that if you believe in the supply chain and the problems that are happening in inflation and the cost of goods i'm not talking about charity endeavors and helping other people out if you want to give up christmas and gifts to help other people that's very commendable but overall, do you think this is going to be a year where people take a step back because it's year two in the pandemic and inflation in the economy and the supply chain and people are just not going to be into running out like animals, getting in line out of all these closeout sales, trying to because I've watched tonight on the news. Retailers aren't cutting prices like they have in the past with these cyber deals because the retailers are getting it on the chin for the supply chain problems and inflation and the cost of these goods. So I wonder how generous most people are going to be this holiday season, including Christmas. People aren't going to, you just said this, which I found comedic, give up Christmas so they could use that money to give to others. We won't wear a mask for others. So somebody's mother doesn't get COVID. We won't get a vaccine. A lot of us just to, just to save somebody else's grandmother's life. So I don't know if people are going to give up Christmas so they can give to charity. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I do hope that yeah, I always think we should dial back on Christmas a little bit. Uh, get to, keep an eye out for what people need, everybody, or what people say they like, and uh, go in that direction. But um, I, I think everybody probably dialed it back a little bit. Don't you? Yeah, I do. I think oh. a lot of people put money into their homes. Right. They put it into their backyards. They put it into their 
homes. They redid something in their house. Or tried to find a new job because they lost theirs through COVID. And now that they finally found another job again, because it looks like the unemployment numbers are pretty good, they don't want to turn right around and go broke again over Christmas. Does it feel like the holiday season for you right now in Los Angeles? We had a little sprinkling of rain, some cold weather over the last couple of days. Does that make you feel a little bit more like Christmas? I'm wearing a hoodie while I'm doing that instead of a tank top. Is that a USC hoodie? (laughs) Yes, it's a USC hoodie that I'm wearing. Oh, are you one of those radio guys who want to get close to the USC program? Oh, my God. I was just thinking about that. Yes, because when I was a little boy, if you go back in the hot tub time machine, uh, we were a big Notre Dame house, but we were also encouraged to zig when everyone else zags and be a leader, not a follower. And I liked USC because they were better <laughs> than Notre Dame and they were winning as they did quite often in the 70s and 80s. And so I became a big USC fan. So I am one of those people that, you know, there's Notre Dame fans who don't even couldn't find it on a map. And I am one of those people. I was I, I even applied to USC as a, as a kid. Who, uh, but who has no connection to USC, but still uh, loves the football team. USC is a good team to follow from a distance. Speaking of USC, OJ was cleared off his parole. And I know this because OJ is my neighbor. Yes. So I get a chance to see OJ from time to time around. And I don't go up to him. I don't shake his hand. I'm not friends with him, but I have friends who are friends with OJ Simpson and Tom, I hate to do it, but I got to give him credit. He was clean during his parole. He didn't get tripped up, didn't get tripped up and thrown back in the pokey and he (laughs) behaved himself. Did you ever think you'd find a time where we'd say OJ cleared parole and he's completely a free man? No, I think that's what also was just most upsetting about it in general to going back into that uh, wheelhouse and uh, that rabbit hole is that, he had the highest Q rating in sports and broadcasting is a, what's called a Q rating. It's basically a popularity rating and not, a, which is too bad. We're in sports casting. Sportscasters don't do well. Usually we're, we're like onions. People love us or hate us. And, but at the time I remember when USA today ran it only about five or six guys had huge numbers and it was Costas, Al Michaels, John Madden, OJ Simpson. And OJ had the highest Q rating. He was popular in Hollywood and a great tipper. And we all felt like we knew him. So that's why when that, you know, when that dust up happened in Brentwood, uh, so people, so many people felt let down by this person that we thought we knew. So no, I, I never thought that we'd be saying that, you know, uh, my, that part of my childhood was robbed by those double murders that he committed. And then I kept hoping and trying to find evidence that he didn't do it and nothing pointed in any other direction. And if you, it's amazing, JT, take a look at my childhood, our childhood. But I listened to Bill Cosby records. Uh, Penn State football was king. And Joe Paterno was, was just a, a saint. And uh, O.J. Simpson was a giant. What happened to my guys? God, my childhood has been has been nuked. Has been nuked. <laughs> oh my God! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I, Not to mention that those Catholic schools. Jeez. Uh, the the new movie Spider Man No Way Home hits the theaters Friday. As we and my, both my sons, oh. one is going tonight at midnight to see it. I'm I'm just fascinated by this. 
why people continue to want to see reboots of Spider-Man. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, I remember, did real well. And now they have a whole bunch of other guys playing Spider-Man, kind of like Batman. What's with this country where we can put Michael Keaton, George Clooney, you know, Christian Bale. We can put everybody into the bat suit. And I guess we can do the same thing with the Spider-Man suit. And everyone will line up and give their hard-earned dollars to see this movie. Well, you and I would have been more well-rounded broadcasters if we also read comic books growing up and followed wrestling. But we don't have that in our arsenal. So when those things happen and those Marvel movies come out, those comic book things, uh, uh, movies come out and everyone makes such uh, adults <laughs> are so excited about it, yeah, we feel like, if I may speak for you, we're on the outside looking in. I'm excited about Tender Bar with your guy, Ben Affleck. Tender Bar is a book that I read, a big, thick book that I read every word of because it's anybody who you know, grew up without a dad in the house. Tender Bar sings to you. And it's, it's, it's J.R. Moringer wrote it. and He's the same guy that wrote Andre Agassi's uh, uh, biography. Matter of fact, Agassi read Tender Bar and said, whoever this writer is, he's got to write my life story. And I almost guarantee you, if the movie is half as good of the, as the book, should be great. Well, speaking of Ben Affleck, he went on Jimmy Kimmel Live Wednesday night after many interpreted his comments to Howard Stern as blaming his wife, Jennifer Garner, and their marriage for his drinking. And I listened to the interview. As you know, I'm a big Stern fan. Mm -hmm. And he entered rehab for alcoholism multiple times over his acting career. And he said, quote, I'd probably still be drinking, he said, in a clip shared all over the world. <laughs> Part of why I started drinking alcohol was because I was trapped. So that wasn't taken out of context as I listened to it. I was in shock when he said that. And he says it's exactly opposite of who I am. I would never want my kids to ever believe that I would say a bad word about their mom. Well, he did. Yeah, and now he's on the cleanup tour trying to clean it up. And I got a good friend of mine who knows someone really close that knows of Ben Affleck's behavior over the years from Buffalo with his girlfriend to California to his drinking in and out of rehab. And over the years, he's been an outright scumbag. He's treated people poorly. He's been a complete drunk. He's been in and out of rehab. He lies when he's in rehab or coming out of rehab and he's sober. And then he, when he's not sober, he claims that he's still sober. So this guy's been a bad guy for a long time. And now he has people in Hollywood trying to clean up these comments and his behavior. And I think he deserves the heat he's getting here. I love his movies. I love his acting. I really think he's a good producer and a director here. But Jennifer Garner. Lay off of her. That comment never needed to come out. And it came out on the Stern show because Howard's an incredible interviewer. Yes. I've known people who have done the show more than one. Uh, my friend used to date Rain Pryor. And I've been friends over the years with Meryl Marco, who was uh, David Letterman's ex and a comedy writer. Has a lot of great books out about dogs. That's her, her new life. And she said when she wrote a book and she went on Stern to promote it, there's something about him when you sit down. He can draw you out and get you to talk about things and forget you're talking into a microphone. And you're just talking to him and he's got eyes that hypnotize you. And that's exactly what happened to Ben Affleck. He forgot he was on the radio. He's a and complete he, my he's wife. I, I, I would still be drinking if I was with her 
is something you would say to somebody off the air, maybe, but not on the air. And Howard brings that out of people. Listen, he's dating J-Lo, who's dated about 100 people in Hollywood in the last five years, literally. And, and, and Jennifer Gardner is a beautiful woman, the mother of his kids. He's been a toxic mess in and out of rehab, and now he's trying to clean it up, and certain parts of Hollywood is helping him here. This is what bothers me with Hollywood, because at times, Hollywood, elite Hollywoodism, is where you can do whatever you want, you can fall, and someone will catch you, and then a bunch of Hollywood elitists will clean you up and put you out there again and protect you. This is an example of that with Ben Affleck. When real people say this in real life about their ex-wives, it destroys families. It separates children. Girls go to their moms and say, did dad really say that about you? And then the dad has to go to the daughter, and it becomes toxic. All I'm saying is that Ben Affleck is a really toxic guy. He's full of shit. And the fact that he's going on this apology tour from Access Hollywood to Jimmy Kimmel is classic Hollywood bullshit. Well, also, we've seen it in sport. You want to turn this into sport? ESPN did it with Penn State. Penn State was lucky they didn't get the death penalty of what happened. There was no bigger scandal in the history of sports. I mean, it's unbelievable. Reggie Bush gets his Heisman Trophy taken away, but but Penn State gets a slap on the wrist after all the way up to the the head football coach of the president of the university covering up child rape over decades, and everybody the everybody the entire community knew about it. And then ESPN decides two years was enough. And they decide, was it Coach Franco? They go back and they do the special and the coach and his special needs kids and Penn State. And and, and, and in this very Hollywood type way, let's let's spruce up the image of Penn State just two years out of a scandal that was the, the stinkiest scandal in the history of college football. Sometimes the rehab of image for the sake of the mighty dollar is disgusting. Well, all this is, is Ben Affleck damage control. All this is, is a publicist and a PR company. And this is hastily organized damage control to get him to go up and down throughout the media to clean this up. And it's damage control for a number of days. And I'm just calling it out. I mean, Alec Baldwin, a gun went off and he claimed he didn't shoot it. How about that? Now, I'm not saying the bullet that showed up on the rust a movie production that to me is real shady. There needs to be a federal investigation on that, but come on. Alec Baldwin had the gun that discharged and killed that young woman. And for him to say that he didn't pull the trigger and shoot the gun. And now all of a sudden he takes his Twitter out. He goes on television with George Stephanopoulos. It's a disaster. His attorneys are telling him to erase all of his tweets. Now he's freaking out. And I'm from the same hometown as Alec Baldwin. He is a total scumbag. He's a great, great, great actor who's been in great movies. But the way he's treated everyone over his life, he's another guy who's changed over the last 20 years. Now he's all politically triggered and riled up. He screams at people on the street. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. Now this guy in the court of PR, his publicist can't even clean up this mess. I'm on a roll with Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And well, there's one reason I'm telling you, because, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm more inclined to agree with at least some of Alec Baldwin's politics. But sometimes there's a reason why a guy on screen plays a really good asshole. (laughs) Because a lot of times the roles that you really score with and do well with are roles where the character isn't that far from yours. 
And that's why he's done so well with the asshole characters in his career that he's played on screen. And the one reason, another though, another reason why Ben Affleck is you're seeing him so much. It's not just rehabbing an image. He's got a movie coming out Friday yeah. up against Spider-Man. Yeah. And most guys who have movies out, don't throw their ex-wives under the bus and say that they were <laughs> running from their relationship because they felt closed in. If Jennifer Garner makes you feel closed in, then move on to life. Now he's with JLo. If that's not the biggest hypocrisy in the world, now that he's with JLo and he doesn't feel closed in, I'm just saying, maybe it's because he's a Red Sox fan. Maybe it's because oh, I was, Derek, I was just going to remind the listener of the Red Sox fan thing. You've always had that part, that, that chip on your shoulder about him too, because we were always seeing him at Red Sox games over the years when they were coming from behind and beating your Yankees. Beating them bad. Hey, I want to thank everybody who listened to the podcast for this year. Yes. We'll have our year in review podcast coming up, which I know Looney's been working on for weeks. Oh, Mike, with copious notes, copious notes. JT. Well, in podcast and radio, everybody comes up with a list at the end of the year. Yes. Either everybody doesn't work, they bail for the holidays, <laughs> or people decide to they mail do in their a USA podcast. Today shows. Yes. <laughs> they just rip a piece of paper out of Time magazine and read from 10 back up to one. <laughs> Not that we've been known to do that. No, absolutely not. Wow. You listened to all 39 minutes and 18 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you. JT and Looney podcast is property of Believe Radio Network and JT and Looney. Any rebroadcast of the JT and Looney podcast without the express written consent of JT, Looney, the Believe Radio Network, and Stormy Daniels is absolutely prohibited. Oh, and the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.